Coming up on today's show, Aaron Rodgers goes Super Saiyan on Monday Night Football. Would we rather have Rodgers or Brady for a final game-winning drive? We also chat with Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett about the team's rebirth and his multitude of talents off the field and what happened with the Earl Thomas situation. We then preview a big week seven in the NFL, including our Tomalocks of the week, check in for the results of our DraftKings Listener League, and so much more. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, presented by Uninterrupted, LeBron's platform. And I'm going to just throw it in there because I'm a big name dropper. You can follow <laughs> me on social media at JoeThomas73. You can follow my illustrious co-host, Andrew Hawkins, at Hawk. Anywhere you find your social media platforms, of course, follow us on the Tomahawk Show, at Tomahawk Show. And be sure to use a hashtag Tomahawk if you want to yell at us, if you want to tell us how great we're doing, or if you want to just... Uh, ask Nat a few fun questions. So, or if you uh, want to talk to me, use the hashtag uh, humble. Yeah, humble's a good hashtag for yeah. all. Of course, we've got the illustrious Zerm with us today, as always. And we've got Natty Ice. How are you guys doing today? Um, we're doing great. I'm just concerned about Hawk because he has just opened another Mountain Dew. And we were, we were discussing before we went on air about Andrew Hawkins' Mountain Dew addiction. And guys, I... There may need to be an intervention here in the very near future. Hawk, I'm worried for your health. You know what? I, I, was having, I had an interview with Complex one time, and they asked me about how many Mountain Dews I drank a week. And I said between 20 and 25, and his immediate response was, you're going to have your foot cut off. And I laughed, and he didn't laugh at all. And that was the first time I looked myself in the mirror, and I said, you know what? He might be right. But, yeah, I'm, I'm up to about 20 to 25 Mountain Dews a week. Cans of Mountain Dew. So we're talking 12 ounces. Um, not something I'm super proud of, but I am addicted to the caffeine. How does your tummy feel after drinking 25 Mountain Dews in a week? Incredible. Like, I wouldn't do it if it didn't feel great, Joe. It's not like, <laughs> I'm not punishing myself. I actually don't feel good unless I drink Mountain Dew. Like, so, it, it, it doesn't have an effect on me either. So I'll drink one right before I go to sleep and then sleep like a baby. <laughs> after your buddy told you you were going to die of diabetes very shortly, did that affect your uh, habits at all? Did you change your, uh, the, the amount or the frequency of your Mountain Dew consumption? I thought it would. And like in my mind as an athlete who was like, yo, I control my own fate. And it didn't because I, I, that's when I realized that the Mountain Dew was at the wheel. It wasn't, it wasn't me controlling it anymore. It wasn't me steering the ship. I don't have any control over it. So someone's going to have to strap me to a bed for a long period of time until I can get over the withdrawal and the shakes and the, all the things that come with the Mountain Dew addiction. I think we need to do some type of tomahawk intervention here where, where Hawk has to put up like an extreme amount of money if he's not able to wean himself off of the Mountain Dew. So <laughs> That's the... Uh... That's the health organization calling. They've been listening. <laughs> Hawk, they're very worried about you right now. I am going to do better, though. I need to – I mean, I just need the motivation to not drink Mountain Dew, and I just don't have it. Like, so what do, what do we need to do? We need to have you, like, pay us if you're not able to give up Mountain Dew within, like, yeah. a month's time. All right. Give me, a, give me a dollar amount. Not just that. I need to get in shape in general because I'm sick of hearing everybody tweet me about Joe's body. I'm like, tweet him. Don't tweet me. Like, that's my favorite thing. when they, Joe, you look good, man. You're awesome. I can't believe how sexy you are now. And then it's always ad hoc at the bottom. I'm like, why the f- did you tag me in this? That's nothing to do with me. So, you know, the motivation is starting to get there for me to get my life 
back in order and get back to the sexy version of myself, which I am far from large part due to the Mountain Dew. Because in season, I've always drank Mountain Dew. That's like, it's always been my thing. Like in high school, it was like a folklore story how I drank it at halftime, cramped up throughout the whole third quarter, didn't play the rest of the game. But as, <laughs> as I got older, like in the NFL, I would never drink Mountain Dew during the season because it dehydrates you. So I wouldn't drink any carbonated beverages for whatever the six months is during the year. Well, now that I'm not doing that, it's around the clock due just in cycles. And I just, I don't know. I think we're on this probably too long. I know, but now I'm going to extend it even more. But I have a random question. Do you guys prefer to drink Gatorade or Powerade during a game or water? Uh, I was a Gatorade guy and water. I guess it's a mix. I was a mix. I could never drink Gatorade like when I was playing in high school. I It made me like fruit juice. No, just water. All my teammates would drink Gatorade and I just couldn't do it. It would make me like my mouth dry up and cramp up. I couldn't do it. So I was wondering you guys as professional athletes, did it have an effect on you? That might've been the beer, Nat. <laughs> I feel like Gatorade should do the opposite. She was smoking that weed before the game. Right, right, right. It was the pre-rolls they were hitting right before right before tip off. Oh no. <laughs> no, I, I drank. me so hungry. My mouth was so dry. Like, wait a minute, that's not. <laughs> she did grow up in California, folks. It's a little out there in the left coast. Uh, for me, actually, I was a big cramping guy because I sweat so much, even when it was really cold out. So I used to drink Gatorade with three Gator Light packets. And for those of you that don't know what a Gator Light packet is, it's basically just salt it's that disgusting. you pour into the Gatorade just to add more electrolytes and yeah. more salts on top of what a Gatorade already has. And so I would drink a Gatorade with three Gator Lights in the first half, and then I would drink another one with three Gator Lights in the second half. And that was the only thing that would prevent me from like cramping and having those migraine headaches from being dehydrated because I was just such a sweater. Yeah, I was a sweater too. I think it's us low body fat guys. Well, I used to be a <laughs> yeah, low body I, fat guy. Yeah. Now I don't, now I never sweat. So <laughs> I gave you all my body fat, Hawk. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Um, let's kick this episode off. I think it's time. I think people are done hearing about my body insecurities right now. <laughs> Yeah, why, why don't we? That sounds like a great idea. Let's go right into the Monday night football quick hits because there was an epic Monday night game last night. And for a little while there, it looked like uh, Mike McCarthy was going to get fired on the field because <laughs> just was playing horrible all night. They didn't come to play. San Francisco 49ers down to C.J. Bethard, their backup uh, quarterback, backup running back, basically just a team full of backups. Kyle Shanahan, the rap artist. <laughs> put the most amazing game plan together to go into Green Bay on Monday Night Football and basically beat the Green Bay Packers for three and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers woke up and pretended that he was going to be Aaron Rodgers again and moved the ball all the way down the field and got exactly the number of points they needed to win the game, which is basically what Aaron Rodgers has done throughout his career to save Mike McCarthy's job and to save the people of Wisconsin from imminent suicide because their Packers <laughs> were not going to make the playoffs if they lost this game. It's crazy how much better than Aaron Rodgers is than everybody else. Like, like late in that game, I think it was what? He got the ball from his own 10 with three minutes left. In a minute, he goes down and scores. They were down by a touchdown. Bathar, you think to yourself, like, C.J. Beathard, they left too much time on the clock for him, baby. He's about to rip it up. No. Absolutely not. He throws an interception. And <laughs> what the interesting part to me in that last drive was when there was six seconds left, they were on like, I forget what it was, 13-yard line or whatever, and they didn't run the kicker out to kick. They ran another play with six seconds left and took another shot at the end zone. And that was like, it was such a slap in the face, not only to the 49ers, probably to the kicker as well, because they just played with the football gods like it was no problem. Now, obviously – 
the guy just came out and he kicked the field goal and they ended up winning. But it was like one of those things where it was Aaron Rodgers being like, huh, you thought you were going to win 49ers. You guys suck compared to me. <laughs> well, it's interesting because this weekend we saw Tom Brady do something really similar. And it seems like generally people that know football are saying, okay, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those are the two greatest quarterbacks maybe of all time but certainly kind of this generation even though this has kind of been a quarterback generation there's lots of hall of fame quarterbacks in today's nfl i think it's safe to say aaron Rodgers, tom brady have kind of rosen to the top right they're the cream they have rose to the top and if you had to take only one of those two guys Mm. and there's two minutes left in a game and you need eight points hawk who do you take i don't think you can go wrong there it's like it's like, what do you want, Mountain Dew or chocolate cake? There's mm. not really a, a wrong answer here, Joe. Well, that's why this is the Tomahawk Show, because we are going to be definitive and we're going to have an opinion on everything. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is, even if it's a hard question like this. Who's going to pull that rabbit out of their head? <laughs> this is the rabbit out of their head segment presented by Jason Witten and the Monday Night Football <laughs> crew. Um, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Tom Brady because... Mm. I don't, there's not even, I don't, I can't even give you a reason why I'm picking Tom Brady. There's like, there's nothing I can say that would make sense in a football context where people wouldn't call me an idiot. Yeah. There's a reason why it's it's a, it's a coin flip. You're picking Tom Brady because you're jealous of his diet because he wouldn't be caught dead drinking a Mountain Dew. He wouldn't even take a sip of a Mountain Dew. It doesn't matter if it was the off season and you are drinking 25 of those suckers per week. I mean, he's jealous of his diet. I don't like to go against my former teammates and guys that I've built such a chemistry and rapport with. They're good so buddies. Me and Tom, like the Ooh. magic we were able – I've been in those two-minute drills with Tom in practice, man. Yeah, and this – it is magical. We ran two-minute on air in the spring. It was one of those things where we knew, like, man, when the season rolls around, we're going to be rolling. So I got to go He's with amazing. Tom. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. And the only reason that I give Aaron Rodgers uh, a little bit of a nod because he's a bit more mobile. He can move – in the pocket, he can get out of the pocket, he can scramble. He's a little bit more dangerous buying time. And if you need one of those Hail Marys, we've seen it so many times. Aaron Rodgers is like the Hail Mary God. He's the guy that makes a Hail Mary a more likely than not play, which is unbelievable to hear. But the way he can kind of extend those Hail Mary plays, I think he's just a little bit, little bit better than Tom Brady in the but last you're still talking second. about a talent issue. Like, I don't think it's Tom Brady that this weekend he had his 42nd game-winning drive 42nd he's older yeah but I mean I I don't think that I get that yes Aaron Rodgers is more mobile yes he can run for a first down if things break down but even still I'll say this Aaron Rodgers would get hurt what if Aaron Rodgers got hurt because he doesn't know how to take a a hit Joe then what are you going to do Tom Brady's not going to do that that's why I'm going with Tom Brady all right Now joining us, man, we got the best slot receiver in NFL history, best returner in NFL history, Seattle Seahawks, Tyler Lockett. Tyler, what's going on, man? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing good. We appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk Show. Let's just kick things off right into the the hot-button topic of the Seahawks, man. From your perspective, the entire Earl Thomas situation, man, what, what has been the feel in the locker room? Well, I mean, you know, when we got the chance to have him back, we were all happy about that, being able to just play with him. Obviously, everybody knows he's a Hall of Famer. And Mm so being able to play with a Hall of Famer, that's a big experience that not too many people are able to do. And I've been blessed to be able to play with him for up to four years now. And so just being able to do that, seeing how he goes to work every single day, willing to get better, willing to compete, 
you can see he's so confident in himself and his abilities, which allows him to be able to go out there and play at a higher level. And so just the fact of being able to have him come back and being able to play with him, uh, that was real big. Obviously, you know, he had other stuff with the business and, and getting paid and stuff like that, which is something all athletes have to deal with and stuff. But as far as players, we were just happy to be able to have him back, being able to play by his side. Yeah, I mean, we've seen he got injured. And as a player, like I, we always talk about, you know, me and Joe, obviously, we played in the league and it was – we're always player centric and we always think as a player, you have to maximize in your opportunity to get paid as much as possible. You got to get what you can out of the league because it's going to take what it can out of you on the way off the field. He flipped the bird. Who was he flipping the bird to T lock? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I didn't even know it happened until you seen it <laughs> on social media and everybody tried to blow it up and stuff like that. But I mean, we try not to get into all that type of stuff. But the thing about it is, though, you're right. When we're in the NFL, you never know how long you're going to be able to play. And everybody talked about, and you guys know, they said NFL stands for not for long. And you got to be able to make the best out of however many years that you play to be able to make as much money as you can to set yourself up for life and your kids' kids. And so, and being able to kind of take care of your family. So it's something that, you got to be willing to do and have to treat yourself as a business, just like the NFL treats itself as a business. Hey, Tyler, Joe Thomas here. Thanks for being on with us. How did Pete Carroll address the situation after uh, the sideline flip off? Uh, I mean, none of us talked about it because we never, we, a lot of us didn't know what happened. We just was playing football during the game and stuff like that. And so, I mean, it wasn't something that we really just talked about or anything. We just kind of kept doing what we've been doing. Does Earl Thomas still hang around now that he's uh, kind of rehabbing a broken leg? I mean, he's just rehabbing and doing whatever he can to make sure that he gets himself back right. I'm not sure where he's rehabbing or anything like that, so I can't really tell you. You know, we always hear about Marshawn Lynch and how he is in the locker room, and we heard the story from Doug Baldwin about how Marshawn gave him his book bag off his back. You played with him in 2015, right? Yep, Definitely. How was your relationship? Did you have a relationship with Marshawn? Is it? Is there any cool stories you could tell us about it? Because I think people on the outside, they don't have a real depiction of how Marshawn is in, in, life, in real life. So anytime we get his teammates on, I think it's always cool to hear from your perspective of what kind of guy he is. Yeah, I mean, I think Marshawn was a great guy. One of the players that actually cared for a lot of his teammates and if and he'd be somebody who would like really be there for you and fight for you, like no matter what as long as you, you know, you have each other's back. I think, you know, I was on the Kenny Main show and I remember talking about uh, how he helped me with my 401k and stuff, just giving me advice and trying to be able to maximize all that stuff out. And it was him and Fred. And the thing about it was a lot of people didn't believe me. They just laughed and was like, no, that's not right. You know, I was like, why can't that be right? Like, and then when they saw he retired, and they saw how much money he saved and how he was just using his marketing money and wasn't spending his money on the field and stuff like that. That's when they was like, oh, he was telling the truth and all that type of stuff. And so, I mean, I just thought it was pretty cool because being able to play, play with him, I mean, he looks out for his people. And I think that's the biggest thing that I realized and I wanted to be able to do was to look out for the people that I love, look out for the people that I appreciate. And the way that he gets back to a city, the way that he does all that type of stuff, man, that's big. That's something that a lot of us try to do whenever we're out there playing is to not only get back to our family, but to get back to the city 
than we lived in. Were you surprised when Marshawn decided to come back and uh, come out of retirement and play for the Raiders? I don't know if I was surprised or not. I was just, you know, I thought it'd be pretty cool for him to go back and when he played with the Raiders to be able to play in a city that he grew up in and a city that he's known his whole entire life. Like I said, all the things that he's done to give back to the city, it, it was an amazing opportunity for him to be able to go back and have a chance to play for the Raiders and stuff like that. Not too many of us get to play for our own city. I mean, I live in Oklahoma. They don't even have a team. So I'm sure for some people, it's, it's something that's big, something that they look forward to, to be able to play in their own hometown where all family can come visit, where all the things that they grew up on and learned and experienced throughout life before they had to leave and go to college or wherever else they could go back and instill that same knowledge and play in front of all the people that once knew them. You know, Tyler, you, you've become one of the go-to playmakers for the Seattle Seahawks, man. Like, what, how has your relationship grown with Russell Wilson? Like, because as, from the outside looking in, we can just see you just become more of a, a foundational piece for him, a guy that he can always go to when things get fixed. So how, how has your relationship grown since you've been there? Uh, I mean, it's just continued to grow. Obviously, the more and more you get to know people off the field, the more you hang around somebody, it, it's, it's just weird how chemistry starts to flow whenever it comes with being on the field. You understand people more. You understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish and what they're thinking and how they go about their way of thinking. So when you get out there on the field, it makes things a lot more easier. The way that I play makes more sense whenever you have somebody who sees it over and over consistently at practice and the way that I see how he goes about his reads and everything, that starts to make sense. And so when you go out there, you just start understanding and you, you're able to rely on somebody because they do the same things that they've shown. And so all I've done was just try to go out there, make the best out of my opportunities, make sure that I could get open and continue to be a reliable source or a reliable target for Russ anytime he throws the ball. You guys started out a little bit slow, 0-2, but it seems like you've righted the ship and won three out of the last four. What's kind of been the impetus and what has been, if anything, the change that you made as a team to really get things going in the right direction and now you're one of the hotter teams in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we went 0-2, but when you look at the score between those first two games, it wasn't a wide margin. It, it was a game where we made some mistakes and we had a chance to be able to win. We just didn't uh, come through at the end to be able to put ourselves in a position to win. And so even whenever we ended up losing to the Rams, we put ourselves in a great position to be able to win. We just didn't finish. And so, I mean, we could have easily won all of our games, but through, all, through each and every game, we've learned a lot of things that we needed to be able to get better at. On offense, we had to get better at third downs and be able to extend the drives. The biggest thing that we want to do is to make sure that we're in control, whether we go fast tempo, whether we go slow tempo. We want to make sure we're, on, we're in control and we manage the pace of the game. We don't want the other teams to manage the pace of the game. And I think we've done a great job doing that ever since we started playing against the Rams. I think uh, it started with the Cardinals when we were able to run the ball a lot better. And then we just continued to emphasize everything that we've been doing since we played against Dallas and it's been working for us. Well, it's your bye week right now. And when I was a player, that was always my favorite week of the season because you got paid and you got a little bit of time off to rest your body and your mind. And you actually have some pretty cool hobbies off the field. So what are you doing right now during your bye week? Yeah, I mean, right now, obviously I'm trying to get back to the time difference because it was an eight hour time difference whenever we went to London. But as of right now, you know, I'm just relaxing, chilling, watching Fear the Walking Dead. 
catching up on a lot of shows that I like to watch and some shows that I just started. like to do some poetry sometimes, um, get on the piano or go just look at homes because, you know, that's something that I'm, I like doing, watch a little bit of HGTV because, you know, when I'm done, I might get into um, being a realtor or being a, um, in, a, in, in the interior design world. So just things like that. So I've, I got a lot of interest that I've been tr- thinking about doing and just being able to focus on. Hawk could use some help because I've been over to his house and that thing is nasty on the inside. <laughs> he could really use uh, an interior decorator's touch. How, how did you get into some of those really cool arts, like playing the piano and writing poetry and, and the spoken word? That's not exactly something that a lot of NFL players are into. So how did you get your start in those different things? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you know, when I was growing up, my grandma had um, put me in the piano classes and I did it because I had to, but I wasn't really trying to do it. And then whenever I ended up getting done with my senior year in college and we were getting ready for the draft, I had so much time on my hands because, you know, my other friends were still in college, when, even though I was still staying at Kansas State a little bit after pro day training. And so I asked this girl if I could use her little keyboard and she let me use it. And then I just started playing again. And I think being able to do that helped me out because it allowed me to be able to have more time on my hands and to be able to do a lot more. And so that helped me out. Poetry, that came about more so in high school. My senior year, I had watched this little scene on YouTube, and I think it was called Passion for Christ Movement. Uh, Maybe it was on Facebook, and it was a guy who was kind of talking about, does anybody know that you're a Christian? And when I listened to it, I thought he was just kind of preaching or whatnot. But when I saw he rhymed, it just made me want to start trying it. And the more I tried it, the more I started to like it, and it, it became something that I started to be able to do. Uh, I remember my dad and my mom, they would both kind of watch HDTV and I didn't really like it. But when I would go visit my dad, they'd be watching it. When I go back at home and live with my mom, she'd be watching this. And then before you know it, you know, I got to the place where I'm old enough where I could be able to get a house. And then I was like, hmm, for some reason I'm starting to like this. And it, <laughs> it just became something that I thought about maybe pursuing once I finished my football career. You come from an athletic family. Your dad played in the NFL. How much easier did it make you transitioning and getting ready to be a professional, knowing that you have people in the house that can kind of steer you and steer the ship the right way? Yeah, I think it made it a lot easier just because being able to live with, being able to understand uh, everything that my dad went through and being able to understand the stuff that my uncle went through when he was playing for three years allowed me to kind of have a better mindset when approaching the league, understanding the business side of it, but also understanding the side of it where don't lose yourself trying to be like everybody else or trying to play mm-hmm. like other people play, but just being able to do what you can do because you never know. When you go to a team, obviously anybody can can put up numbers like everybody else is doing, but when you go to a team, you want to make sure that that's a team that you could like fit. It's a team that you can be able to be and contribute everything that you've been doing since you've been in college and since you've been playing a sport that's the biggest thing and being able to understand your role and to be able to do that role well. And so my dad and uncle pretty much just told me like your value is going to be important with being both a punt returner, kickoff returner, and being able to play receiver. They kind of get, you know, three and one when it comes to just getting a player and you never know how much that that's worth to a team or how much it means to a team until a team has to say, all right, we got to go get a kick returner. Now we got to find a punt returner 
and now we got to sign a receiver. So instead of trying to get three different players, they could just get one. You know, that's that's like a wise take. And I remember me and you talked even before you got to the league, I believe, and we were talking about where you wanted to go. And you said more than anything, you just want to find a team that's the right fit. And that's just a, a mature take that it takes when you get to the league, understanding how important that is to be on the right squad. And like you said, having your dad and your uncle there to be able to kind of steer you in that direction. It's probably been huge and beneficial to you. And the Seahawks seem like just that. Now I got to test your GM skills. You're starting a receiver core. You have a team, and you need three receivers. You can't pick anybody on the Seahawks, including yourself. Who are your three receivers? Who is your one? Who is your two? And who is your slot? Uh, right off the top. Uh, off the top. <laughs> top rope. Yeah, I think I think one of the guys that I would get starting off just in the slot would have to be Sterling Shepard. Mm-hmm. I think I'll start okay. off with that because, um, you know, I played against him whenever he was at OU. I've seen how he plays. I like the way he plays, even with the Giants. And he's able to do a lot whenever he's in the slot. So I definitely like him being able to do that. I would have to say if I had to get a a Z, I'd probably get Michael Thomas. Mm, I like that. Yeah, definitely reliable. He's got great hands, can eat, you know, can get open, can get physical, all that type of stuff. So being able to have him out there on the field, I think that definitely helps. And then for my ex. I would say in order to have a uh, a great team, obviously there's a lot of other elite receivers that I could be able to pick. But I think what makes a, a great X is for somebody to be able to to take the top off. And so I'll definitely probably have Deshaun Jackson. Mm, Deshaun Jackson, Sterling Shepard, and Michael Thomas. With all due respect, Tyler, I got my receiving core would kick your receiving cords, but <laughs> who would yours be, Hawk? Mine would be I would go Julio first, okay, because he can do it all. He could he's six four, can stop on a dime like a short dude, and I think he has a, a lot of a lot of ability outside of just what other receivers bring to the table. So I go Julio first. My two would probably be A B or Antonio Brown, Julio, and then in the slot. Although he's not really a slot, he can play there. I'm going with Tyreek Hill. Outside, if I can't, if, if we're using the same lens where we can't use Seahawks receivers, those would be my three outside of that. Because honestly, in a slot, I'm having T-Lock because i just been a fan of how smart he plays the game. And I always say this. People say, like, what makes a shorter receiver be, like, what makes him special? Now, Tyreek Hill has some special abilities. He's super fast. I wouldn't technically call him a slot because I feel like there's a lot more thinking for guys that can play outside and have to play in the slot. But it's like a survival of the fittest thing. Like, if you're just 6'5", 220 pounds, run a 4'3", you could just line up and run by somebody. And that's cool, and you can do a lot of those physical things. When you are on the shorter side, you have to be smarter. You have to understand it at a different level. You have to understand leverage because you don't have the physical tools for to let a quarterback just go ahead and throw it up. And that's why I think the slot is the hardest position to play on the receiving core because you got to know what the tight end's doing, and that dictates how you play. You got to know what the outside guy is doing on this side that dictates how you play. You got to know what the back is doing. You got to know what the backside receiver is doing because you're working in such a confined space in the middle of the field. And again, T. Locke, he's one of those guys. I feel like, in my opinion, that's why he's come on so strong is because of a place like Seattle where they they value guys who understand football at a, at a higher level. That's that's where really he made his money at. Well, I appreciate that. You know, the other mm. thing that you got to remember when you're the GM is how much money you're going to spend at positions. 
Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, true, true. Yeah, he was uh, he, he uh, operate with a salary cap. My man might be ready already. You can't afford him. <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's the hardest part. Like, so I mean, you just got to pick and choose how much you want to be able to spend at certain places. And the thing about it is, everybody that both of us pick, they all gonna get paid a lot at yep. some point. Whenever they get to that end of their third year, uh, which I think. The two that I named are in the third years right now, and they're they're gonna get paid. I I believe it the way that they're playing, and so is that's the hardest part. That's why I'm glad I'm a player right now because I don't have to worry about <laughs> all that type of stuff and who I need to keep and what I gotta do. It's just like I just go out there and play, and make it fun like I've been doing as a kid. But when you get to that GM spot, those are decisions that you gotta sleep on that you gotta try to figure out. And when you when you end up paying one one position that's real big, you gotta figure out well what's gonna be the the short term in the yeah. other positions. Like do you wanna pay your DBs a lot or do you wanna pay your linemen less or do you wanna pay your linebackers? You gotta just figure out. All right, Tyler, you're John Snyder. Tyler Lockett is a free agent. What contract do you give him? Oh, uh, we can't we can't do that. You just said you're talking about being the GM. What's your number, uh, Tyler? Let it, what, squeaky what wheel is, gets the oil, man. You gotta Tyler let him know. Deserves it. Nah. Pro Bowl, best slot in the NFL. Where do we start the bidding at? You ain't got to tell us what number you want. Where do we start the negotiation at, Tyler? Uh, I'm, I couldn't even tell you. I'm, I'm just here to play. That's what my agent is for. <laughs> I'll do it. We got to start it. The negotiations start at eight point five, and we work up from there. We start at eight point five. Well, listen, you started there. I look. That's more money than I ever had. <laughs> so, so anything anything that I didn't have is a win it's, it's a win it's a matter of your agent saying no no look this is this is where we should be at and then you just be like alright cool but, <laughs> but I mean that's the thing though you gotta take your mind too like if you decide to wait you know a lot of people bet on themselves and it works out perfectly they do yep. great Boom, they go get paid all that money and stuff like that and then you got some people who decide to say, you know what, I don't want to take that chance. I'm willing to take this because, you know, I'm going to be set. My family going to be set. You had that generational wealth, all that type of stuff. And so, I mean, it's something that you you think about and you just try to make the best decision. But at the same point, you got to ask yourself, like, yeah, a lot of millions make a difference, but how much is going to be enough for you? You know what, that's very true. This, and I'll say this and I'll let you go, man. But Duke Johnson, who's a running back, with the Cleveland Browns, he signed a contract this offseason that was $5 million a year. Now, there was one point that Duke was, I think, the leading receiver on the team, caught a bunch of balls, a bunch of yards, and people were, like, talking on Twitter, talking heads, saying that how he was stupid for taking that the year before he had free agency. He's, he could have gotten more. The Browns beat him. And it was exactly what you talked about. That was life-changing money for Duke in his situation, and he still has time to come back and hit the table. If you look how the season has played out, he hasn't gotten the touches that people expected him to. Um, because they had Carlos Hyde there. They drafted Nick Chubb at running back. And so the touches have been scarce. And if had he not signed that, who's to say that his market would even be that because he hasn't even been able to show that in his contract year. So it was one of those things, like you said, you can bet on yourself. or And then sometimes it, it, it's smart to take the bird in the hand. And I think that's what Duke did, and that's what you're talking about too. On my team, though, Tyler, if I'm your agent, again, we're starting to bid in that eight and a half, and we're going up for there, and we're not settling for nothing else. Tyler, we appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk, man. Hey, no problem. Y'all have a good rest of the day. You too, man. Keep killing this season. Good luck. Stay healthy. Appreciate it.
Well, that was awesome talking to our good friend and Tomahawk listener, Tyler Lockett. Uh, what do we have up next? All right, here we go. Tomahawk matchups of the week. You know, Joe, we got – actually, it's a good week of football. There's, there are weeks and when we're like, man, I don't want to see any of these games. This is not one of those weeks. Joe, who is your, who is your matchup of the week? My matchup of the week is actually Tom Brady versus the Bears defense. The Bears defense was looking like the class of the NFL just about the whole season. And then all of a sudden last week, they had a little bit of a slip up and they turned Brock Osweiler into Tom Brady, which was pretty embarrassing because we all know the history of Brock Osweiler's career. And we saw him in <laughs> Cleveland firsthand. So I'm not going to say he's the next Tom Brady, but uh, the Bears have a chance at redemption. They got an opportunity to prove that they're still one of the best defenses in the league if they can shut down a red-hot Tom Brady and the New England defense. But they may have to do it with a little bit of a hobbled Khalil Mack. He's got an injury, but if he's able to get on there on the field, he's able to go against a weak right tackle group that the Patriots have. And even though Tom Brady always makes his offensive line look really good, Khalil Mack has a chance to really cement his legacy this season and maybe become the defensive player of the year if he's able to harass and beat up and sack Tom Brady a ton of times this week, which if he plays, he will do. Tom Brady is going to dice the Chicago defense like a Brazilian hibachi restaurant. Wow. Brazilian like, hibachi. Brazilian hibachi. I've always hibachi. enjoyed those Brazilian steakhouses where it's unlimited meats. Yeah, so we're going to mix them all together. Brazilian hibachi restaurant. That's how much he's going to dice him up. It's not it's even going to be close. If you can make Brock Osweiler look like a pro bowler, then I don't, I don't want to hear anything about your opportunities you're going to have with Tom Brady. He's going to baptize their souls on national television. <laughs> baptize their souls, I like that. All right, well, my, who's your matchup of the my week? My matchup of the week is Saints versus Ravens. We had Luke McCown on last week talking about the greatness that is Drew Brees. He just broke the all-time passing yards record. I think he's close to the t- TD record, too. I don't know how far away he is if he hasn't already gotten that. But he's facing a Ravens defense who is number one in the league. And they are looking like the Ravens' defense of old. They've had their lapses throughout the season. But overall, they've been really consistent. They sacked Mariota 11 times last week. And the only way to get Drew Brees uncomfortable is putting pressure on it. The Browns did it earlier this year. I think the Ravens are going to do that, too. So that's my matchup. I want to see what Brees does against that Ravens' defense and if he can kind of keep this hot streak going, which I, if I was going to pick one right now, I'd say the Ravens were going to give him hell this week. All right, Hawk, what game are you looking forward to watching this weekend? And I'm going to tell you what, the game that I'm really looking forward to watching is Cowboys-Redskins, NFC East old school matchup. Cowboys all of a sudden came back from the dead. They gave their best Lazarus impression, trying to save Jason Garrett's job, and they put 40 on the board last week. They're going against the Redskins team, who's hot also, who just – whooped up on the Panthers, who I've always been kind of a a Panthers fan. I think they're one of the maybe overlooked teams in the NFL right now. So you got two teams that are playing really good. All of a sudden, they're kind of surging in the NFC East, and it'll be really fun to watch and see what happens. I think they're a very balanced team. It could be a close one that comes down to the wire. I like that matchup. We talked about the Redskins last week having to answer back after they got shellacked by the Saints. And Josh Norman actually played really well. I don't know if it was a revenge game for him or if he was like, auditioning for his old team again because it sounds like the Redskins coaches are kind of over him. So, but yeah, they, they played well. I, my game I'm looking forward to is the Rams versus the 49ers. And it's not really even anything on the field. Obviously, the Rams have been balling. Um, Todd Gurley is looking like the best back of this generation. But I want to see McVay versus Kyle Shanahan. Kyle's a guy, obviously, me and you, Joe, played for. 
and respect his like offensive mind to a T and McVay kind of came up under that same system and up under Kyle actually. And he's taking it to a different level, man. And he's, he's got the firepower behind him. Cal not, doesn't really have as much firepower, but it is funny how the young offensive guru mind narrative has kind of shifted from Cal to Sean McVay. Um, and I think a lot of it is because, again, Cal doesn't have that firepower, but Sean McVay is a hot name, man, and they are rolling. He has Jared Goff looking like an elite first-round quarterback. So I want to see how they match up because I know how competitive Cal is. He's going to want to try to kind of steal a little bit of that, that shine from, from McVay a little bit. Here's a really important football question. I'm going to ask Natty Ice this one. Who's got more swag, Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan? All right, both those guys are in California with you. They're both young, good-looking, athletic head coaches that got a lot of swag. They're not afraid to wear the rapper look like Kyle did on Monday Night Football on the sideline with the flat-brimmed hat and the hoodie up. Who has the most swag in California right now? Um, I'm just going to go with Kyle Shanahan because I'm more used to his swag. I, to be honest, I really don't know what Sean McVay's looks like. And mm. Kyle Shanahan was looking pretty swaggy. <laughs> there it is, man. Kyle Han- Shanahan. Was- Kyle is, how old is Kyle? Kyle is what, 36? No, 37 maybe? Actually probably a little older, but he just looks so young. I, I want to say he's probably like 39, maybe 40. No, he's not 40. There's no way Kyle Shanahan is 40. He's 38. 38. Right in the middle. Well, right in the middle. Well, We're both Mc- right. McVay is 32. Yeah, McVay is younger than both of us, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Are you 33, right? I'll be 33 in March. Okay, so, right, 33, McVay 34. Has, McVay, McVay has be better brother. hair, but I think overall, over, he, does he doesn't really hair. wear, he just wears like that Ram zip up every week while Kyle's out here yeah. flat brimming it. And, <laughs> and plus, if you're older and you have swag, you're automatically just more Correct. swaggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, older guys, that's the good thing about being a guy is you get older – your sexy actually increases. Like people like older guys. Like it's it's a cool thing. Like I'm waiting for my beard to get peppered because I feel like it's gonna take me into like a man. That's a distinguished young man, old man right there. And young I'm excited man. about that. The young old man with the pepper beard. I feel like it's gonna put me on a different level. I am curious about that because like some of these old guys that try to look younger just look creepy. Yeah. You know? and exactly. Then Guys that that look younger or at least try to dress younger like Kyle he's not an old guy but he's 38 but he he dresses like maybe he's in his young 20s uh and they just they look distinguished and still hot yeah what, what is that line why is that Matt maybe you can fill us in on this a I think bit. I can answer that but all right know, whatever like, we, we can kick it tonight. I feel like Hawk has a really good answer for this <laughs> I just gave you my answer Joe and the thing well, about McVay is McVay is younger than us which is ridiculous that he's a head coach not just saying he shouldn't be a head coach, but I think it's more of a look in the mirror thing between me and you. I tried to toast my bacon yesterday. So that tells you, um, I put bacon in the toaster and tried to cook it. So that tells you where we are at as far as trage- trajectory and development. Um, but yeah, he's a young dude doing it on a big stage, man. I feel like Joe's going to think that's a sin that you tried to toast your bacon. Yeah, he is, man. First of all, there's a lot of questions here right now, but the first one is you didn't answer my question about where's the line between old guy that looks good trying to look younger and Mm -hmm. just old guy that looks creepy trying to look younger. I think it it has to be a I don't care kind of attitude. The the less you care, the 
sexier people perceive you. And I feel like it's also the actual items of clothing that you're wearing. Like if you're 40 years old trying to wear everything supreme or something like that, yeah. it's like, no, you're trying way too hard. Just look good, but don't go over the top. Like be so, yourself, be you. So Tomahawk was trying to get after me that those assholes on our social media were getting after me because I, I did a commercial for Universal Windows Direct in Cleveland. And I was wearing tighter jeans, not skinny jeans, but they were a little bit tighter. You know, I've still got bigger thighs because I still like getting in the weight room. But they were calling me out and pretending like I was wearing some type of tiny little pencil thin. <laughs> and I was a little bit offended by that. And so where, where was the line there? Was, did I cross that line? Am I, am I doing all right? Because I feel like my give a shit is absolutely zero. Couldn't be lower. So I feel uh, like I've checked that box. Your give a shit isn't that low. I mean, you literally work out three times a day. So that's number one, your give a shit isn't low. <laughs> Wait a no, second. That has nothing to do with your give a shit level. Like, no, that, that's you just, give a little like bit of a shit. Out. You give a little bit of a shit. Like I, my give a shit is at an all time low. Like it's record levels of low. <laughs> so hang on a second. So you're telling me that the less you work out, the better the it is. You are. <laughs> sexier you are because you just said the less you're giving shit is the sexier you are so are you just trying to dis describe yourself being sexy i'm just trying to make i'm trying to i'm trying to flip the narrative it's, we're media now so i'm trying to flip the narrative in my favor my favor this is getting outrageous this is getting out of hand all right let's let's move on here to our tomahawk takes of the week joe what do you got you got anything down for this if not yeah, i'll actually, go first my hot take here is the bengals versus the chiefs this game is going to be fun on paper you're looking at a couple of really good high-flying offenses but honestly what happened to the bengals last week was so deflating that i think it's going to roll over into this game and the chiefs are going to run them out of that stadium mm. because the bengals especially when marvin lewis has been there in the last few years it seems like they have a hard time sometimes shaking off when one bad thing happens they don't overcome the adversity the way you would expect a lot of teams you point out maybe like a team like the Patriots when they have something bad that happens it seems like Bill Belichick has a way of galvanizing them and they come up better than ever but it seems like the Bengals when one bad thing happens they tend to slide and I'm gonna go Chiefs in a big way this weekend over the Bengals are they playing in Cincinnati or in Kansas City uh, that game is back at Arrowhead okay back at Arrowhead oh. Oh. Hmm. Mm. I'm going to go actually with the Bengals in that game for this reason. When I was in high school and my older brother was playing for the Bengals, the Chiefs were like killing it one year. I think they were like 9-0. and They were – I think Priest Holmes was the running back. They were – Dante Hall was returning punts crazy. Mm. They, they were like fun. a super, superstar squad of the NFL. They were playing the Bengals who sucked at the time. The Bengals – of the 90s and early 2000s was very similar to how people talk about the Browns over the last 10 years. It was bad news. That's who my brother played for. They were going into that game playing an undefeated Chiefs team. A young receiver by the name of Chad Johnson comes hmm. out and guarantees a victory against his undefeated team. No one had really know who, known who Chad Johnson was at the time. It was like, who the heck is this kid talking crap? And it's coming from the one of the worst teams in the league, and it's before people did guarantees. This kind of started the wave of, like, oh, I'm going to guarantee a win. Like, not like the call your shot like Joe Namath. This was, like, the new age. Like, I don't know. I'm guaranteeing you we're winning this game. And they went into that game, and I was at it, dude. It was the most exciting football game I have ever been to in my life. They did end up winning, and Chad Johnson kind of burst onto the scene as this, you know, hot shot, big mouth wide receiver to the Ocho Cinco we know today. 
that has nothing to do with this matchup this week except for the fact that I think history is going to repeat itself because the, the childhood Bengal fan in me thinks that the Bengals are going to pull it off. Wow, that was long. You better take a sip of water there, kid. Oh, I got my Mountain Dew, my green water right here. All right, so my hot take of the week, time a hot take, the Jets are going to beat the Vikings. I know everyone is super high on the Vikings. Adam Thielen is balling. But ever since I've seen Kirk Cousins do that horrendous dad dance in the end zone, I was a hard pass. I'm like, oh, no, this, this ship is sinking right there. I, I see the link. I see the, uh, the hole in the ship, man. This is going under. So I think the Jets are going to whoop them. And the Jets have been playing really good football lately. You know, I've always kind of been a little bit of a Kirk Cousins hater because I always thought he was just the guy that put up great numbers and then his team would lose. And as a quarterback, to me, the bottom line is, did you win or did you lose usually? Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that he is totally embracing his inner nerd dadness and that he's just <laughs> not afraid to be the biggest geek in the history of pro football. And I, I start to think back, I wonder what he was like in grade school and middle school. Was he really reserved or was he like in the Harry Potter club? Was he a big chess guy and he didn't have any friends? And then all of a sudden he was like a really good football player and he tried to cover up that part of his life. And now he's allowing that part of his life to – uh, sprout back up to the surface and I love it because to me interesting and quirky people are what makes life exciting and that's why I love Hawk that's why you're one of my best <laughs> friends because you're so weird and quirky and you make my life exciting can you imagine if everyone was boring and homogenous like yes. uh, Russell Wilson what a boring life that, that would be so Kirk Cousins thank you for making my life more interesting yes I think you just definitely marginalized our uh our viewers and our listeners, because I think you called a majority of them nerds by saying, if you play chess or you listen to Harry Potter, you're <laughs> yeah. not as cool as Joe. But don't worry, everybody. Joe is the biggest nerd I've ever met in my life. Yeah, I'm not cool at all. I uh, don't watch TV, really. And I love no. to read and do nerdy stuff. I just have never got into the fantasy world. I'm going to be totally honest. I've got lots of friends that are into it, uh, family members. Alex Mack is the biggest fantasy nerd of all time. Uh, he would get in the cold tub with me. And I would be sitting there reading my like deer magazines or like the wall street journal. And he would be in there. And I swear to God, the back page of every book he had had a fake map in it. And you know, <laughs> you're a total nerd. If you're reading a fake book with a fake map of some fantasy land in the back, like passing out Yu-Gi-Oh cards at, at training table. That's what I do. We could be best friends because we had absolutely nothing in common when it comes to loving of fantasy. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right, who you got? Tom, Tom Lock of the Week. My Tom, Tom Lock of the Week. This is, is a good one right here. This I'm going – no, I'm going first, Joe. Screw up. I'm going Texans over Jags. Lock of the Week. Jags, they look like pretenders last week. If you let Dak Prescott put up 40 on you, I don't like your chances against Deshaun Watson. I got, I got Texans over top of the Jaguars. You just love what the Texans did to Nathan Peterman, huh? They sold you. They, they, yes, they, man. They I'm like, how did, you, how did you make that guy throw two interceptions in two minutes? You have to be the next great defense in the NFL. By the way, I've become a huge Nathan Peterman fan because of how much you shit on him. And honestly, (laughs) I give the guy so much credit for continuing to go out and throw so many picks and play so poorly, but courageously facing the media and being real and honest and accountable and not afraid to continue to throw more interceptions I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of him right now. I'm going to buy a Nathan Peterman jersey, and the next game that I go to, I'm going to be wearing that instead of that Baker Mayfield jersey that I wore last weekend. That might be the only Nathan Peterman jersey in the stadium because I don't <laughs> think he's going to be around very long. 
<laughs> so my tomahawk lock of the week, my tomahawk of the week is the Panthers over the Eagles. I'm still a believer in the Panthers. I still think Cam Newton's a really good quarterback. I like that team. I like that defense. I know they haven't played up to expectations yet this season, but I see them winning big over the Eagles because the Eagles in my book are pretenders. Last year was a blip in the radar. Their defense was really good. But as I always say, defenses can win you a championship, but they won't win you championships because it's too hard to keep defenses together and playing well. They get figured out. And right now teams have figured out the Eagles defense. Mm, End of story. I like, that. I like that. And Cam Newton, he usually does good after he loses a game. That is not based on any He's fact or any bounce. research. Um, I'm just a Cam Newton fan. So moving on to the next part of this, let's do let's update our DraftKings league. How did how, who won this week, Nat? Do you, or Zerm? Does anybody have the winners here? Yes, we have who placed the highest. Now I would like to this is a disclaimer. Joe tweeted out the league link and it's so popular. I didn't have a chance to get in or else I would have I would have finished number one. Um, you would have so probably won. Thank you. I just want to cl- yes. clear that up first. Mm. Clearly. I be- so uh, Nat <laughs> came in 83rd uh, with 149.18. Ooh. Joe. Wow. Yes. Joe, cheers all around for thank Nat. You, uh, thank you. Thank you. Joe was much. next up. He came in 145th with uh, 136.60. And let's scroll. Let's scroll. Let's scroll. Let's scroll. Keep Hawk, scrolling. Um, <laughs> you came in 310th. That's out of 350. Uh, with 99.04 points. <laughs> I didn't break 100. Almost, almost won his own money. Tough day for Hawk. Dang, man. I did that, that low? I thought I for sure would have done better than that. All right, 99. The only blip on my radar with my DraftKings entry this week was I picked Randall Cobb as a receiver, and he uh, had zero points. because he, he, he was in a sweatshirt, so no, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I wonder why he didn't catch any passes. <laughs> who won the league? What was the name of the guy who won it? Uh, so the guy that won it, his name was Ice Cole one Or girl. I don't know if it's a guy. Yeah, or guy or girl. Could be either. Um, Ice Cole one had 221.5 points, so pretty good showing for them. And then Jeez. the closest to 73.16 was K Nichols, 15. They got 74.04 mm. points. So pretty wow. close. Mm. Hawk looks like you're sending them some money, but I think yeah. it's important that we – introduce our new challenge moving forward the rest of the season is this a good time for it guys i think it's a good time perfect time. i don't know what it is so yeah i think it's a great time after i had to spend almost a full month with a broken coffee maker and the saga and drama surrounding that and getting to hear the sad story of natty ice and <laughs> having to go to starbucks every day the great people at tomahawk have decided that if nat is able to finish in the top five in any week for the rest of the season in our DraftKings League, the beautiful, wonderful, amazing people at the Tomahawk Show will buy her a multi-thousand dollar coffee maker of her choice so that she can wake up every morning at 4 a.m. when she records us on Monday morning and be able to enjoy delicious and fresh coffee without having to go to Starbucks. I am so excited for this. I'm literally going to spend like an hour every week just putting my fantasy team together and I will, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get within the top five because I need this coffee maker. That's where she went wrong. You study long, you study wrong. Everybody knows that, Nat. You're automatically (laughs) going to finish in the bottom 50. Joe, is she able to cash that in for just cash? Is that, is that legal or no? 
No, she does not get cash. We don't want to give her any money she can spend on drugs, and then she won't show up True. on Monday morning. Oh that is a very good point. Her, her, her quote-unquote uh, Gatorade addiction. Yeah, right. Gives her the munchies. Remember what dangerous. flavor that was. That's the last time we'll ever see her. You give her $2,000. Kush flavored Gatorade. She'd be like that guy, that uh, the homeless guy in Philadelphia. Did you guys ever hear that story where um, – they he gave this lady his last 20 bucks to fill up her gas tank because she like ran out of, of money in, in a really bad neighborhood and then they went on gofundme and raised like 200 grand for the guy did you guys ever hear this i did see this they never gave it to him well, then then they raised so much money they were worried that being like an addict he would just spend it all on drugs and not better his situation so they tried to become like a fiduciary and like a trustee for him and just give him like little bits of money to help maybe pay for an apartment and food and then he sued him and actually i think he won the lawsuit he won because he they were get all the money so it came out they were spending the money number one yeah, also that? that's pretty wrong i don't know if you know anything about um addicts homeless addicts but they're not giving you their last 20 bucks so yeah. go ahead and give me my 200k for being a nice guy. I appreciate you raising starting to go find me. I'll be taking my money now and you go on about your business. All right. All right. I think it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Uh, ask Nat. Every so, time I see this, I, 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 cause I never pronounce my K's. It ask, and I, it just says ask Nat to me. So every time I say it, I say ask, ask Nat. Oh ask Nat. Which is her Twitter name actually. Follow her on Twitter. <laughs> at ask Nat. And, uh, <laughs> ask Nat. That's actually one of those ones that uh, is always blocked at the bottom of your Twitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, so ask Nat, if you have a question for Nat, make sure you hit us up at Tomahawk show, uh, hashtag ask Nat. We've got a lot of great listener questions and we're going to come up with a couple here this week. The first one is Nat, what is the proper definition of, of a hater? And let me give you a little bit of context. We hear professional athletes all the time talking about the haters, the haters. They didn't believe in me, right? These guys that are great athletes, uh, some of the best in the world, pro bowlers, all-stars, talking about the haters. So what is the definition of a hater? So I think the proper definition of, definition of a hater is somebody who just always is trying to bring other people down, no matter what the context is, but they just don't want to see people succeed. They just want to be trolls. They want to you know, just bring people down for no reason, basically. There's no substantial reason behind why they're being haters, especially online and especially towards athletes. They get haters all the time because they're making money, they're doing well, and people that are sitting behind the computer are just hating because they're sitting behind the computer. So that's what I think the definition of a hater is. I love that answer. Nat, Joe, can I chime in here about haters real quick? Please, please do. Because here's the thing, and this is obviously, let's get really personal because it's the Tomahawk show. So I'm going to talk about my life a little bit. So, Joe, we tell don't tell us about all your haters. I'm going to tell you about it. We don't take ourselves too seriously, Joe. That's what makes us fun. That's what makes us good friends. That's what helps <laughs> yeah, what our chemistry. Are. You're right. We, we, you know, we just make fun of it. We're, you know, in the grand scheme, we were just with helmets on, pounding each other and, and other helmets Whoa. of other people. Right. Oh my <laughs> okay. Let's things got a little weird right there. All right. So, <laughs> that's right, though. So, people tweet me, right? So, we'll talk about something and someone will tweet me, like, oh, what have you done? <laughs> you only had. You only had 2,600 yards in the NFL. And it, it always perplexes me, like, how do you muster up the audacity to tweet somebody like that? Like, it makes people that I know would trade situations with me in a hot minute. And to think that that would make me feel bad is the funniest thing in the world because I was living on someone's couch, Joe. 
I don't know if you ever lived on someone's couch and didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, and I did. It was this weekend, but I was just drunk. And they, <laughs> you they couldn't get up. They me over to Zerm's house in Cleveland, and I slept on his couch. Like, Joe, I was staying on someone's couch, and when they would have a girl come over, I would have to just walk around and, like, literally just walk around in circles because I had nowhere else to go. So for someone to think they could tweet me and say that, oh, you, you didn't do such and such and such, I'm like, what are you – what – planet do you live on don't compare me to to aj green compare me to you and then we'll talk like don't i'm not joe joe is a mr everything athlete i tricked everybody i won i was like a a, i was a fan and i tricked people into paying me to play football that was a good thing I, i feel like i did a great job but that's haters man nothing you ever do will be good enough for a hater that's why they're important to have because if you don't have them that means you haven't quite done what you needed to do yet but at the same time, you can't give them any kind of credence. You can't give them any kind of, you know, credit or, you know, I digress, yeah. Joe. I mean, for some people, it's motivating. For some people, they ignore it, which is, in my opinion, the best way to go. Because that'll get them even more mad. But I just, I don't know why people do it. I don't understand what the point is of bashing somebody that you don't even know that's, you know, getting their success. I don't know. I see people hating on Joe. Joe literally was yeah, the best I tackle. And I'm, I know Joe is modest. I'm not going to be modest for him. He's the best left tackle in NFL history. And people will tell, what do you know? You played for the Browns. Exactly. You got it. Like, what are, you, what, what are you talking about from your mom's basement? Are you serious? <laughs> Get off of the internet. Cancel your subscription to Twitter. Because clearly you're paying to just have access to Joe Thomas. Twitter has given rise to the uh, Twitter has given a good home for the haters. It's given them yes. a nice warm house for them to love live in and walk around in. So Golly. they're out here. I can go on all day, Joe. What's, what's this, this, this segment of Ask Nat? We're going to ask Zerm why he's a hater. Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> hey, Zerm, which brings me to Zerm's ghost account. Why, why, why do you hate people so much? <laughs> so, hey, all right, next Ask Nat question. We're going to finish this up. Should the Browns trade for Amari Cooper from the Oakland Raiders? I have no idea. Should they? <laughs> <laughs> that insight, man. That is, great insight. That is, that that is my top insight. NFL insight. I love it. Zom, you right. answer four. I don't like the Zom. readers, so. I, I, I like that hers was, I don't know, should they? Um, <laughs> pet peeve of, number one pet peeve of mine, answering a question with a question. With a question. My, my only answer to that would be, I would say yes, because he's. Tw- I found this out today. Amari Cooper is only 24 years old. Feels like he's been in the league for like, 10 years but you know the browns are having a lot of problems with drops their drop rate is the highest in the league and amari cooper over the past couple years has also had one of the highest drop rates in the league so i think i'd still do it just because he's so young but uh the drop rate makes me a little nervous final Um, ask nat question nat what's the best movie you've seen in the last year oh no (laughs) first of all let me just give a disclaimer i don't watch movies it's it's yeah, it's really mm. bad. Wow. So I can't even. We should have these questions beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. And it's funny because TD is a movie guru and like he's seen every movie millions of times and he always makes fun of me asking me questions. Oh, have you seen this movie? It's like, it'll be like the Titanic and I'll say no. And he You've just never gets. seen the Titanic? No. I've seen the Titanic once and I never watched it again. So that's how I am with movies. I just. I just never watch movies. So she has not okay. watched a movie in the last year, basically. Uh, well, hey, I think that pretty much does it for today. You can tweet us at uh, hashtag Tomahawk. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tomahawk Show. And subscribe and rate us because 
if you guys don't do that, we're just going to go away and we'll never come back. So make sure you download our yeah make sure you subscribe and get the app wherever you're getting your not an app it's a podcast yeah as always you can find our podcast wherever podcasts are available make sure you subscribe and download every single week so we can boost these followers and we can put more money in hawk the haters bank account i have something to say This Saturday is our very own Andrew Hawkins Day. Yes, it is Andrew Hawkins Day. Nat, thank you for remembering. Um, I'd like to thank everybody who made this day possible. For for Joe Thomas Day, what did we do? Did we do anything special? No, I think we were off. Yeah, we were off. So I give everybody off Saturday. No one has to go to work Saturday. Anybody in the country who's listening, Saturday is an off day because of Andrew Hawkins Day. It's a day of remembrance. The highways will be clear. Take your family somewhere special. Um, they only celebrated in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And by celebrating it, I mean, they gave me a declaration and nobody ever remembers, but it is still a day that of, of observance for the Hawkins family and the Tomahawk show. Can you just give us like a quick one minute explanation of like how that came to be? What made Andrew Hawkins day happen? You know what? I can't really, I don't know why. I think it was just cause I was a ambassador of the city and on a bye week it was the october 20th was a bye week so they brought me in that day and gave my declaration so ahd baby enjoy it well i think that does it for another award-winning episode of the tomahawk show and of course get into our DraftKings league this week uh for the rest of the season natty ice has an opportunity to win a multi-thousand dollar coffee maker if she gets in the top five so you get to watch her fail miserably <laughs> if you're part of our league And of course, make sure to subscribe and rate us five stars. That's the only option when you pull up the rating scale. There's only one option, five stars or you don't rate it at all. So uh, (laughs) that's about it. Hawk, any final thoughts? Um, It's not about what you do, it's who you know. Hmm. Deep. Deep. (laughs) That's how we're rocking. Well, if we're going to finish like that, I think it's important we kick it to Natty Ice. Joe, Hawk yourself. (laughs) 